and that's how I feel like a lot of horse training is, is the, the missing pieces that you're like, eh, that's not important. I want to go do flying lead changes or whatever it is you want to do. It's those little things that make some of these bigger things so much more difficult. But if you fix the little things, then, then the rest of it's easier. Welcome to the Horsewoman Project, a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. Hey, Camry. Hey. So I'm really excited to talk about how your clinic went. Me too. It was awesome. Do you want to, for those people who may not even know what clinics are or anything, do you want to just give a little synopsis on what you do for clinics, what this clinic was about, all of the things, and then we can kind of dive into what you did? Yeah. So clinics are when people bring their own horses to a horse trainer or clinician and they get coached. So a lot of times they're done in a group setting. Most of them that I've been to or have seen um, have groups of anywhere from like 10 to 20 people in a group, um, sometimes a little bit less. Um, And usually your clinician is like, you know, one of the clinics I went to was for ranch riding. Um, And so they, they tend to have a a theme or um, something like that to them where you're working on specific things. And when I first started doing clinics a few years ago, I did mine with like a, a big group and then a very specific format And one thing that I came to realize through doing clinics was that I love doing two-person sessions, like small, two, maybe tops, three people, because I feel like sometimes in the group settings, you tend to get a couple people that are like way far ahead of everyone. And then a couple people that are like way down here at the beginning and which is great. Like, I love that everyone is on their own journey and their own um, level, but it's also difficult to try and make sure that the more advanced people have something that is, that they're learning something that they're occupied and they're, they're being taught something, but then that also your people that are down here and more at the beginning are also learning and, and not like having everything go over their head. Right. Um, And so that's one of the reasons that I just really love doing these two person sessions. So um, each day at this clinic, it was a two day clinic. And each day I did two or three of the small sessions with just two people and then one group session. And um, so the first day we did a groundwork group session. And but even then with the groups, I kept it at six people. Um, So I I keep my groups smaller um, because I just love to give that individual time. Like I want to be able to actually help people and not just be like, here's this set list of stuff that I've done 20 bajillion times. And whether it helps you or not, I don't care. You know, I'm like, no, I want to put that time in. Um, so anyway, that's kind of what my experience has been with clinics and had, how I set them up. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's not as intimidating as you think. I've had a, several people tell me that recently that are like, I've thought about coming to your clinic and I'm just nervous to like be in front of people and, and to be in a like, you know, people are watching me learn and like, what if I mess up? And I'm like, no, like it's, it's like you said, kind of with your endurance ride, like it's so supportive and everyone there is just there to learn and have fun. And 
you don't get the people that at least I haven't at my clinics that are being judgy and like oh my gosh like that person over there with their horse like no they're sitting there being like oh I've been where you're at or like just all the support and and it's it's so fun so yeah come come to clinics they're so fun they're a lot less intimidating than you think because the first one I went to I felt the same way I went to this ranch riding clinic and I remember just being like my horse is a rope horse, not, yeah, I'm like, I have a rope horse, not a, a reining horse, and, like, we were just getting into ranch riding, and I took Lola, my husband's rope horse, and I remember just being, like, oh. <laughs> but then, like, halfway through the day, this lady even came up to me personally, and she's like, I just love the fact that, like, you were bold enough to bring this rope horse to this thing, and, and like, she's doing so good, and you guys are awesome, and I just love it, and I was like, thank you <laughs> and so like it's just it you didn't get the snooty people that were like can't believe she brought mm -hmm. that horse no like everyone just wants to learn so well and honestly I feel like most people most people are too caught up with what they're doing to even notice you like whether or not you messed up or anything I like they don't care. They're there to learn too, right? Like that's what mm -hmm. clinics are for. And I think they are perfect because it's taking a bunch of people who all want to learn something. They're all in there. They're all with that mindset of what can I learn? Mm -hmm. It's really hard to get the other mindset of like, oh, I know better. And if you're in an environment to learn, right, you're not often mm -hmm. going to get those people. So I, I love it. And I love how small your clinics are too, because I've only been to a few clinics. Um, and they've been, they've been very different. So like I, I went to a clinic, I went to an endurance clinic once, um, which was great, but it was more of like a sit down lecture and then, you know, maybe half an hour hands-on, like did some vet stuff, um, with the endurance clinic. It was more just, just more of a lecture kind of deal. And then I went to one, oh, an equine therapy clinic one time. And that one was really big and, and it was again, more of an audit where I sat down with about 60 other people and listened to people talk and then watch them do like therapy sessions with, with actors and stuff. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever been to like a full clinic. Well, I've been to a couple of cult starting ones through one of my jobs, but again, they've always been big. And so it's like, it's always, it's always hard to learn. Like I'm a very hands-on learner and I would love to be to one that's like, oh, I could take Sandy and, and get to learn all of these things. And it, I do like that yours are smaller and, um, and more individualized. So it doesn't feel like you're just being run through this random, random thing. It sounds like too, and we'll jump into yours. Sounds like you are really good too at just seeing what the horses need in the moment. And then that's what you work on, which is really awesome. Um, cause I feel like a lot of clinics you go to is like, no, this is what we're working on. We will be working on getting your horse to sit down or we will be working on low loping on or getting flying lead changes. It's not as, uh, individualized to the, each person's and each horse's needs. So I'm super excited to talk about how you do that. And um, so with this most recent clinic you did, do you want to explain I don't know where, where was it just so people can know? Um, and what were your expectations going in as the clinician? Um, so it was up in Harriman, Utah, which is sort of near Salt Lake-ish <laughs> for most of our listeners that probably have no idea where that is. Um, 
and it was at a private facility. So the host I did, this is the second clinic I've done at her place and her name's Tanya Glines. And she actually brought her horse to training for me, which is how we met. And, oh no, I think she came to one of my clinics, actually. That's where we met. And then she brought her horse, Obi, her big uh, half Frisian, half quarter horse, big black goober <laughs> brought him to training with me for a while and the and then approached me about hosting and so it was just a private facility which is oh my goodness the area is just beautiful up there it's like up in the side hills and beautiful beautiful scenery so nice barn and and a nice little arena there that's just so private and yeah lots of fun so um, and as far as my expectations going in it's it's kind of funny because they've shifted a little bit over the years. I, <laughs> me and you were talking about this before we recorded that I'm such a, like more of a type A personality, right? Like I like my lists and my things. And so when I first started doing clinics, I like, I had it timed down to like the minute we will spend 15 minutes doing this. We will spend 20 minutes doing this. And that just like eased the stress on me because I'm like, okay, I have a plan and I'm going to execute the plan. <laughs> and, um, and then, of course, like it did not go at all according to the plan. And, and so I used to get more nervous about the unknown when I first started doing clinics. It was like, what if someone asks a question I don't know the answer to? Or what if some training issue comes up that I don't know how to handle or that I've never had to handle before? Or, you know, just any like the unknown was so scary to me. And now, several years later, since doing clinics, it's actually the intuitive part of like going in and not having a plan at all and just being like, what are you and your horse working on? Like, what, what, what are your struggles? What are you guys good at? And then just being like, okay, ride around for a minute while I, I watch them and then say, oh, okay, you know, like this little piece here is missing or this is why this is happening. That part, like it just excites me now. And I don't get nervous about the unknown anymore. Um, because even if there is an, un an unknown, that's what I deal with every day in training horses is, oh, well, you know, this didn't work as well for this horse. I've never had to deal with a horse that this didn't work for. So what else can we try that might work, you know? And so I'm like, it's just like what I do every day. I just have to do it in front of people. <laughs> and so now that part has gotten to where that's less nerve wracking. And I'm like, oh, that's that's so fun. And then the the groups tend to be the part that I'm like, okay, managing more people in different levels of that's the part that has been a little bit trickier to navigate um but this time I felt like I had a really good group of people that were all kind of new enough to be like not super super beginner where I like they were coachable but weren't like so crazy high up there that I was like I don't know what I can teach you in this group with all these other people that are you know um, and we did have a little bit of variety as far as um, one of the gals was a, she brought her reined cow horse. Um, and that's what he has done is be a reined cow horse. But the cool part of it was, even though he was the more advanced horse of the whole group, all he'd done was, was that, you know, he hadn't done the obstacles and the, the relationship building things and um, all just the your basic horsemanship stuff it was all a lot of performance based um stuff and it was so fun to see 
him do all the stuff that was totally out of his element. Um, and so just the, the goals that she had with him just fit in so well with the group uh, that we were with of um, everyone there had, had stated to me in their questionnaire that I sent them that what they wanted to work on was like connection, building a relationship, building um, communication and like all the things that I'm big on, which, you know, I was like, kudos to me. I advertised this well that like, you know, clarity, communication and connection, all those things, that's what we're working on. And that's what everyone there came for. So it was a super fun group coming into it. I was really excited. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love that. And definitely, like you said, advertised well. So when you, <laughs> when you did go to advertise for, for the clinic, was it with that purpose of hoping to get people that would have that in mind? Yes. Because that, that really is like your business model, right? Is helping people connect with horses. So I love that. Have you, um, I know I want to get into the clinic too, but I also just want to pick your brain because I'm just curious. <laughs> but <laughs> with with that going into doing clinics and doing more clinics, because um, I don't feel like you see a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm here to help you build a relationship with your horse. It's like, no, I will help you get a perfect spin or I will help you do this to do this thing perfectly. Um, has that been your finding? Like, do you, have you seen anybody else who has kind of that similar business model and has it been difficult for you to get people in that want to build that relationship? Or do you feel like it's been pretty good and, and you've found a pretty good niche of people? Um, I do feel like I have kind of found a group of people that are like, like-minded, you know, that, that have those same intentions. And it's funny because once you start finding a few of them, you start finding more of them because then those people share it either on their Facebook page or on their Instagram or just share it with people that they talk to. And they're like, Oh my gosh, like I did this thing. And it's, and so initially when I kind of started shifting gears a little bit away from a lot of like, we're going to work on hip mobility, shoulder mobility, all these things, you know, that's more of what my clinic was based around was, was mechanics and, and then obstacles was the other part of it. Um, and now that I have branched in, into a little bit more of like that relationship and connecting with your horse with the body control, with these things, um, it, it, it was slow going at first. Um, especially like, I feel like the first one that was really kind of hard for me to fill um, one of my clinics was one that I did here and it was a cult starting one, but it's not the type of cult starting one that people think of. And so when I advertised it, I made sure to advertise, this is not a bronc riding clinic. You may or may not be getting on your horse before the clinic is over. Um, and so I think it was difficult because at that time I didn't quite have the clientele base yet of the people that were interested in more of that type of cult starting. Um, and it definitely like kind of hurt a little bit. I was like, man, I only got like three people for this clinic <laughs> instead of like filling it. And, and, um, cause I think I had, if I remember right, I think I had it open for eight people. Um, but I, you know, I didn't cancel it. I had everyone come and we worked and, and only one of the people got on their horse, but it was great. It was awesome. It went well. And um, and then after that, like, I just started again, like you said, like advertising appropriately and being like, you know, this is my business and this is what it's about is, is being able to have both have the, the mechanical and all of that, but also 
being able to do it in a way where your horse understands what you're communicating and that they feel good about what you're communicating, that they're motivated well, and that you have fun with your horse and that it's not just like, oh. <laughs> so it's blending all of that together has been fun to to build that clientele. And I feel like I'm finally getting there of like, okay, <laughs> we have my people. <laughs> I love that. And I think that gives our listeners a really good idea or a really good foundation of what your clinics are like. And so what this clinic was like, what was your, I guess, what's the one, one thing about this clinic you just did that you're most excited to tell us about? Let's start there. So one of the coolest moments, um, there were a couple cool things, but this one was the first thing that I posted about because I just like, it happened and I was like, I have to record this like this is amazing and um it was the ground tying I've never taught ground tying in a clinic before in a clinic setting um and so the group of people that we had were we had like a halflinger and we had some quarter horses and the Frisian and a couple of mustangs um and so you know like all over the place and then we had um you know more exposed experienced horses and then we had a couple that were a little bit well one in particular that was very anxious in arenas um the a gray mare <laughs> she was so cute and but she was like she was great on the trails but arenas she was like bah! um and so just like as a prerequisite there we didn't just have all of these like deadhead horses but um in any case after we did so it was the last thing we did in a two and a half hour session and I planned on it taking like, you know, let's work on it for roughly, you know, 20 ish minutes and, you know, 15, 20 minutes and see, you know, just kind of help people walk around and help people within, I think it was less than two minutes. We had all six horses ground tied with their owners at least 15 feet away from them. <laughs> and all the horses are just like, okay. <laughs> like all six horses and it was just so cool to be able to see even especially this anxious horse and it had nothing to do with wearing them out because some people are going to be like oh two and a half hours well after working my horse for two and a half hours of course they're going to want to stand still we did a lot of slow stuff like my clinics are not like run 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 go 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 like sweaty horses no, like we did a lot of like mental work and some physical work and some obstacle work. And, and um, so it wasn't just, they were worn out physically. They were just all in such a good headspace of, of their owners actually listening to them and, and understanding them and having that be a two-way communication that they're like, you want me to stand here? Sure. Great. I'm happy to just stand here. Like, <laughs> it was just so cool. Um, so as all these horses were standing there, I just like got my phone out and I'm like recording all these horses because it was just such a powerful moment to be able to have so many different breeds and different types of horses. And and they were all just in such a good, good headspace. So way fun. <laughs> I love that. Well, I think it speaks to just how calming your, your, your clinics are, right? Because... <laughs> I didn't even, my brain didn't even pop into, oh my gosh, well, after two and a half hours, my horse would be tired enough to do that. No, my, my brain went into, wow, you must have a very chill environment. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? um, and I love that. So with ground tying, for those people who don't know what ground tying is, do you want to explain what that is really quick? Yeah. So ground tying is when you drop either your reins or your lead rope 
and drop it on the ground and you can walk away and your horse will act as if they are tied to a post. So they won't move, they're not gonna run off. And it's a big thing for ranchers uh, because if they're out on 500 acres or you know whatever it is, property size they've got, and they're out trying to doctor a calf and they get off their horse or if they get off and they need to pee or they get, you know, for whatever reason and they drop their reins, if their horse leaves them, that's, they have to walk home. <laughs> you know, they, they're, they're stuck in the middle of however far away they are from their home. So it's very important in particular for ranchers to have a horse that ground ties and ground ties well. Um, and a lot of arena riders don't ground tie simply because at every arena I have ever been to, there are tie posts. Um, and so we just use them. And that was one of the things that I said in my clinic about it is ground tying is a skill of opportunity. It is something that your horse can learn easily, but you have to not tie your horse at every tie post. So, you know, when you're at the tie post, instead of tying it, drop the rope on the ground. And then as your saddle is, you know, 10 feet away from you, if you walk away, go to grab your saddle and your horse takes a step or two away, reach down, grab your lead rope, put the horse back. So all it is, is allowing your horse the opportunity to stand there. If they walk away, put them back. If they walk away again, you put them back. And But they don't learn it if you don't take the opportunity. And there's so many opportunities because there's a lot of times that, you know, saddling, picking out their feet, like if you need to, like I said, go grab a, your tack or go get your helmet or a sandwich or you need to go pee or like there's so many reasons why your horse would need to stand still. And most of the time we do use some form of a tie rail or a tie post. Um, so just taking those opportunities to like, if you are close enough to where you can correct it and your horse isn't like going to take off for 60 miles and you're <laughs> like, don't practice this when you, when you're in that situation, <laughs> practice it when you are to where you can show your horse, you know, I, you know, I want you to, to stay in the place that I put you in. Um, so that's skill of opportunity. You just got to do it. And it's easy to teach. You just have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a really good skill to have, even if you're not a rancher, right? Cause I'm just thinking about like on the trails. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would really love my horse to be able to think like, oh, my reins are down or something is down. Like if they get away from me, that, that maybe I should stop. <laughs> like if you could teach that trigger or not. Um, cause I've heard about a lot of horses getting lost in the middle of nowhere. And I do wonder if, if, uh, they had some of those skills, if, if that would be something that would help with that. But I love that. How did, um, how did the anxious horse, I'm curious, did the anxious horse, stay there for a long time or how mm -hmm. did the environment look like after the two minutes yeah I mean the horses just stood there um so and the reason why I think it went so well is because one of the biggest things that we worked on in so many different situations was different versions of stay where I put you so you know, if I, if I put you at a trot, I want you to stay there. If I put you at a walk, I want you to stay there. If I put you in this location, I want you to stay there. Um, and, and so it's, it's so many different ways, you know, it, it can be in movement in location in, in anything like that. Um, and so by the end of the session, the, the horses were just like, oh, you want us to stay where you put us? Okay. 
Um, and so it's a lot of teaching your horse to take responsibility for themselves um, instead of you having to always have to micromanage that they can't manage themselves if you're not telling them what to do. Because a lot of horses, as soon as you stop telling them what to do, they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to go do what I want to do. <laughs> um, and so it's, yeah, it was a lot of that. But as far as like this really anxious horse, I think she just had had a lot of practice with it. And we did a lot of work with her of, of allowing her to find the wrong answer and, and not get upset about it. Cause that was actually one of the, the biggest things with that particular horse, which was really powerful. Um, which was, she was just nervous to get the answer wrong. Um, her owner would start asking her things that she hadn't done before outside of, you know, doing the trail stuff that she did know, you know, she's like, I'm, I got this, you know, I'm on the trails. I got that. Um, but when we would ask her to do something that she didn't understand, she would start swishing her tail and, and, or like start prancing her feet or, or, you know, just acting like a, a quote unquote brat, right. You know, she was being a little turd. And, uh, <laughs> and so this was actually happening when I was teaching siding up. So I teach every owner to how to teach their horse to side up to them on a mounting block and so it takes a little bit of like okay we want you to move over here so it's it's almost like lunging so you lunge them off to one side and then you send their hip around toward the fence and then you bring them up to you on the fence and um and as we were trying to teach her like okay we want your butt to move over right here we were using a cue stick and she did not like us trying to tap her her butt and and ask her butt to move over and so she was trying to like swish her tail and kick at the at the thing and and um and so as I was helping this gal with her horse and it just I, I'm like she's just upset that she's doesn't know you know like she she's getting the answer wrong and she's frustrated that she doesn't know the answer and she's just frustrated to get it wrong and and it's funny because a lot of people in those situations will get to where they're like stop being a brat you know and they'll like get mad at them for being upset and and I'm like just like just stay at where you're at so you know we were just tapping lightly on her butt to to let her know we want her to move over we weren't smacking it was just a cue right it was a tap and um and I said just stay at this level and just don't be mad at her don't be like just allow her to get the answer wrong and to be a little bit upset about getting the answer wrong and then when she gets it right, then you're like, yeah, you know, good job. And like, and, and reward her for that. But a lot of times we actually make horses worse by getting mad at them when they get it wrong. And that's what it's like, no, not that. Like, ah, stop it, you know? And, and if you think if someone were to do that to you in a situation of like, you're trying to learn a new skill and you get it wrong because, oh, guess what? It's a new skill and nobody gets it right the first time. And, and if someone were to be mad at you and be yelling at you and and punishing you for getting it wrong you wouldn't want to try again and you'd start getting pissy with them too <laughs> and so it was it was just fun to to see how as soon as we just allowed her to get it wrong and for that to be okay that for her to get it wrong and like it's not a big deal um then by the end of that session again she was ground time and standing there and head lower just licking her lips and and doing what was asked because she had found this headspace where she she felt safe she felt comfortable and she knew that her owner was going to stay in that headspace with her you know of not getting angry and not getting not escalating things um so it was that was a really 
fun aha moment with that particular horse too. That is so cool. I love what you said or how you told the owner to just stay at that level. Cause I feel like often we hear increase level, increase level, like slowly get more intense. So what, what is your opinion around that? But then also in that particular situation with this horse, how did you know that that's what she was frustrated by and that that staying at that same level would be the best thing for her? So that's a great question. And it's one that took me a while to kind of figure out how to put it to words. (laughs) Um, So increasing level I feel like is to add clarity or for a horse that is ignoring you, but not scared. So if there's not fear involved and you have a horse and you're trying to teach more responsiveness or like you're asking for something that they do know how to do and they're like, meh, when I get to it, maybe, um, then you're going to increase levels until you get a response and then you come back to the previous levels. Um, but if you have fear involved or any kind of escalation, so like fear or anger, like frustration, that tail swishing, kicking out, uh, resistance in any way, shape or form, stay. Um, because if you are pushing on something and it's resisting, if you push more, it resists more. So you're just asking for more resistance if you up level at that point you're you just get more resistance you get more of what you're getting and so if you just stay there and wait for them to find a different answer and stop resisting then they're like oh and then and then the fear goes away the frustration goes away the any of those things go away because you weren't asking for more resistance (laughs) if that makes sense does that did I explain that Yes, you explained okay, that like... well. Sorry, it took me a minute to get my mute button to work. No, um, I love that. And I love that uh, clarification between if they're having resistance to it versus like when you would use that. Um, so what else in this clinic do you feel like you had some aha moments in? Uh, or owners have yeah. aha moments, sorry. So it was... this was one of my other favorite parts when you asked me what my favorite was the ground tying was one and this was another one so it was one of my two-person sessions and one of them was a gal that had been to one of my clinics I think it was two years ago and um she had put her first loping ride on her horse during during that clinic a couple of years ago and and she brought her friend with her and um so both of them had said that they struggled with trailer loading with their horses. And um, so I decided, okay, let's save 45 minutes at the end of your session and we'll have you untack and we'll work on trailer loading. Cause I didn't want to rush it, you know, and trailer loading, especially with horses that have had a history. um, Sometimes it can take a little bit of time to reshape their responses and to get them to have like again those aha moments of like oh (laughs) I actually can load in the trailer Um, and it's trailer loading is never anything you want to rush ever so so I just said okay at the 45 minute mark we'll we'll go up one we'll untack and we'll load your horses in the trailer and the one gal her horse she said every time he will turn his butt sideways to the trailer 
right? And um, and so he'll approach it and then just side up to it, like, and and, and won't go in. And and it takes him several times to get him to finally go in. And she's like, he just never, he'll never just go in. And and then the other gal, her horse would just stop like just plant his feet at the front of the trailer. And the only way to get him to go in was a butt rope. So just putting a rope around his butt and then, and then he'll go in fine with the butt rope. But she's like, if you only have one person and all, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> you don't want to have to have a butt rope all the time. And so, you know, they have both kind of found ways to get their horses in the trailer, but their horses still just don't want to load. And so anyway, so they get their horses untacked and we're up at their trailer and and so I took the first one, which was the one that liked to side his butt over to it and, and not go in. And and I took him and I said, do you mind if I try the first time? And so I just grabbed his lead rope. We walked up to the trailer and lo and behold, he walked right in. <laughs> it was, I bet the owner was mad. <laughs> she, was, she was like, I promise, like, I can show you videos of him like not doing it. And it was just so cool because... Again, it was kind of like with the ground tying, I had planned like 15, 20 minutes to like, okay, if these horses start fidgeting, we're going to teach you how to put them back where they need to be. And I had planned 45 minutes to get these horses in the trailer. But because of the previous two-ish hours that we had spent on the other work in the session, the trailer was like, oh, like you're going to listen to me. You're going to respond to to me as a human being, like from from one being to another being instead of a drill sergeant of do what I say now because I said so that they felt seen they felt heard so when we said hey will you get in the trailer with me they're like yeah sure awesome I'll get right in and and it was funny because I'm like okay like now you try it because sometimes horses will have a certain history with a certain person where they're like ha I know like I've got your number <laughs> and they just know that they can get the things that make them feel comfortable with a certain human so um I you know hand the lead rope to her and I'm like okay you try it same thing just right in he went in and out probably five or six times went in stayed in she scratched him petted him came back out did it a couple more times and and it it was awesome and um so then horse number two, the one that needed the butt rope. Um, so again, I'm like, okay, like, let me take him. And I was like, this would be really cool if I did this twice. <laughs> but, you know, I just went to like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll spend the time we need to spend and just no expectation. And although that would have been exciting. So I, I start leading him up there and then plants his feet. And so I'm like, okay, you know, all this is, is a habit. He had zero fear. So he wasn't like buggy eyed. He wasn't rearing. He wasn't, he just knew that if he planted his feet there, that he didn't need to get in. So it was more of a habit and less of a fear thing. So to break that habit, we just would lead him up to the trailer. And then instead of going in the trailer, we just turn left. We'd lead him up to the trailer and then we'd turn right. And then we'd walk back and forth in front of the trailer. So like not towards the trailer, just next to the trailer door, just to encourage movement of his feet near the trailer and that to get him out of that habit of we're going to walk up to the trailer and stop it was like no we're going to walk up to the trailer and then we're going to keep walking it doesn't have to be into the trailer we're just going to keep walking we did that for I think two minutes and then I just got went out a little ways because I like to give horses that want to stop a little bit of a runway is what I call it so a little bit of a straight shot <laughs> coming up to it so they're not coming in at an angle so I went back, gave him a little runway. We walked up, 
boom, right in the trailer, walked right in, in like what, maybe three minutes, I think is what it took. And, um, and it was, it was just really neat to see that, that he would do that. And then we did have to do that a couple more times. Like after I gave the, the lead rope to the owner where she had to walk him in front of the trailer and then same thing, went right in and, and so it's it's just neat that something that I thought would take at a minimum 45 minutes and I wasn't even sure if, if we would get them to go like as easily as they did. Um, I knew we could make progress. How much progress was just, you know, <laughs> you never know there. Um, it's all different every time. But it was just neat to see how everything else that we had done made it so that that was a piece of cake. And that's how I feel like a lot of horse training is, is the the missing pieces that you're like, eh, that's not important. I want to go do flying lead changes or whatever it is you want to do. It's those little things that make some of these bigger things so much more difficult. But if you fix the little things, then, then the rest of it's easier. So it was kind of another, like, again, that aha moment of like, oh, if you just let your horse know you're going to listen to them and value what they think and, and help motivate them in, in the right ways, then they're so happy to just do what you want, you know? So. Yeah. I love that. So I'm curious, have you heard from those owners since like, are they still loading? Okay. Or do you know? I don't know. And now I need to go text them and you be like, do. how are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm so curious. You have to report back. <laughs> do you yeah. find, um, in the clinic scenario, well, I guess, I mean, do people even contact you afterwards? Is that an option for them to do? I leave it as an option every time. Not a lot of them do, um, which I don't know if it's a pride thing or a, they just don't feel like they can or should, or I, I don't know, um, because I fully let everyone know. I say at the end of every clinic, this clinic is not a one-time thing. It's mm -hmm. not a one and done like, I never want to see you again. Like, no, you guys, it's like we talked about earlier. You guys are my people. You are my people. Like, come talk to me if you need help with something or if like, it's not going like it did at the clinic. And, and, and so, and a couple of them did tell me this time that they might consider doing virtual lessons. Um, and I think like, that's a big thing too, is I live kind of far away from a lot of these people. So I'm like, I know I live far away and you guys probably don't want to trailer all the way down, but if you want to send videos, you know, I can coach you virtually. So hopefully we, we get some of that happening. Cause I do like to, it's fun to have the repeat people so that I can see their progress over the months and weeks and, and years even with some of them. So it's, it's nice to be able to have that, that rapport and that relationship to really see a lot of progress. Cause in a clinic setting, you do get progress in a day, but most of it needs to come after you know, it needs to be the the following months and, and things to really set things in stone in your horse's brain. Because just because they did it once at a clinic doesn't mean they're going to repeat it every single time at home. So it's, that's the fun part is seeing the, the progress after. So now I need to go check up on everyone. <laughs> yes. And then report back. <laughs> I know. We all want to know how the trailer is going. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. I like um too what you just said at the end is just because it happens at a clinic doesn't mean it's gonna happen like every single day afterwards. Cause it makes me think of some of those cult starting clinics um 
that I've been to where it's like, yeah, sure. At the end of this clinic, this horse is being ridden around by this cowboy and is doing pretty good, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I could take that horse home and ride it myself. You know, there's still a lot of work to be done from clinics. And I like that you give that opportunity for people to reach out to you afterwards. And for the virtual lesson stuff, do you want to explain to our listeners, what does that even look like? How do you do a virtual lesson? Yeah, so for those, you would just send me a video and you can send it pretty much any way you want. You can send it on Facebook, you can send it on email, you can, you know, whatever text message even if you can get it in good enough quality <laughs> um, and then I can send you back a marked up and um, voiced over version of your video where I say okay here this is what's happening I can circle things or put arrows and like point at the certain things that I'm talking about um, and then you can and then I, I sometimes I'll send videos of exercises I want you to do based on what I'm seeing in the video. Um, so that's an option there too. So I might even send like links with it of, of other exercises to try. Um, and then, you know, the next time, like once you try it, send me another video. Um, and so I can critique your form on the exercises that I told you to do. So yeah, there, I haven't done, done much as far as those yet, mainly because I don't know if, if people, even know that I do that. <laughs> I haven't advertised a ton for it. I have a little bit, but I like that. I think that's a pretty powerful technique to use because I I'm just thinking about some scenarios that I could send you a video of and I'm like it would be really nice to be able to go back to your video and rewatch it, right? Because if I'm in a live lesson, live lessons are great because you get that immediate oh move your leg here. Yeah. But Live lessons are only there when you're live, right? Where it would be nice to have your recording of, wait, what did she say about that again? Or wait, where exactly does my leg need to be? And be able to have that repetition because mm -hmm. it is hard if, you, if you're not doing like really consistent, either weekly, bi-weekly or however many lessons, it is really hard to, to leave and be like, wait, what did I need to do again? <laughs> so I like yeah. that option a lot. Well, it, it's, it's funny because when I have like, you know, friends or family or clients approach me in person and, and they're like, so my horse is doing this and this and this and, and what would you do about that? And I think one of the things I say the most with that is, well, it's hard to know without me seeing the horse, but, and then I'll give them a little bit of advice, but it's, it's true. Like without me seeing what is happening, I only get your interpretation of it, which may or may not be what I what's see, you know, what's actually going on. Um, and, and then even then there's just so many details and nuances that you see when you actually see a horse versus, um, just hearing, hearing about it, you know, there's so much more. So I'm like, S send me videos, <laughs> send me videos. Cause I need to see it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's something, um, cause with my clients, I have them send me videos of, of their movements and, and their training sessions and things. Um, and it's, I just feel like it's very relatable to, to that, where if, if they just came to me and described, which they do sometimes <laughs> go, well, this, this is hurting in this, or this feels funny. And it's like, well, I need a video. Like I've got to be able to see it <laughs> because there could be 10 different reasons why it's feeling this way or why that might be feeling a little funky or why this might be happening. Um, 
And again, just having that repetition, like my clients love the videos because it is something that when they're at the gym, they can rewatch and go, wait, how did Michaela tell me to fix this? And we go, oh, okay. But it also teaches them to critique themselves. And that's one thing I really like about the virtual option is because not only do they get your feedback, but they also get to watch themselves and watch you critique them, which then will help them look at their videos in the future and critique themselves. And that's when you get somebody who ends up being a critical thinker and who gets to learn even more because they start to critique themselves and go, what can I do better? I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. You need to advertise more Camry. This is, this is the decision of this, (laughs) of this episode. Mm, I'm busy. It's fine. (laughs) No. Oh, I see. (laughs) No, no, send me all the videos. We'll do the virtual lessons. Yes. <laughs> no, no, they're I fun. I, I I love helping people. And that's the my favorite part of it is just having people they're like, oh my gosh, like this just makes so much sense. And like all the aha moments. And mm-hmm. so I'll I'll share one more of the kind of aha moments that that I really enjoyed. And it was a gal with her horse that I guess she had a slight vision problem in one eye. Um and I can't remember why. The horse or the gal? The horse did. Okay. Um, and so she could see some, but it was, there was something off about it. I can't remember if it was an old injury or something. Um, but one of the biggest issues with this horse was ground poles. And she's like, the, the gal was telling me that she, she would be able to get her over them. But then every day it's like starting over. And she just hates the poles, hates the poles, doesn't want to go over the poles, doesn't want to go over the poles. And, um, but it's been a thing for her owner where her owner was like, just go over the poles. Like, I need you to be able to go over the poles. (laughs) And, and, um, it was so fun working with her and letting her know that it's not about the pole. Like she was so, the owner was so stuck in like, no, you need to do it because I said so. And there was a lot of the, like, because I said so, like, it's not going to hurt you. So just do it, you know? And, and so just getting in that, like, that, because I said so mindset that works with some horses in some situations, it does not work for every horse in every situation. And the really smart horses need a lot more motivation than because I said, so that's not enough for them to overlook something that they are nervous about so their safety like if they feel uncertain or or nervous or unsafe with something it doesn't matter how many times you say because I say so they're going to value their safety or comfort over your you being adamant (laughs) and and so we just taught her how to present things to her horse in a way where it was acceptable to her Um, and so instead of making her go over the pole it was like okay we're just gonna put the pole there and and put it we're, we're gonna eliminate one thing so what we did was we put it close to the fence where she had an alleyway between the pole and the fence where this horse could walk through and and which her owner is like yeah she'll do that fine like it's just the actual like going over it um, but what I noticed was when she went through this alleyway the horse would do well the listeners can't see me but she would like side eye it and like arc away from it right and she would and so she wasn't comfortably walking through that space 
And, and so we realized that we need to keep it at that level and eliminate the physical part of having to walk over it and just do the visual part. Because we had an inkling that some of her vision loss might be part of her issue with it is that she just maybe has lost some depth perception or, or there's blind spots like right down when she has to step over, maybe there's a blind spot there, you know, we don't know for sure. But um, we, we had maybe a thought that that could be an issue. So I said, let's just eliminate that, the physical part of actually having to step over it. And let's just get her comfortable with the visual because the pole, like the alleyway that we made her was pretty narrow. Um, and so she had to, it almost looked like she was walking over it, but she wasn't walking over it, if that makes sense. So the pole was still down below in an area where it was visually scary to her so like it made her again like side eye it and kind of like I don't know about it and so I told her like don't push don't push her to go over it until she can go through the alleyway like this with her head just like bobbing along a regular walk not the side eye not the like skirt you know lift that shoulder and rib cage outward away from the pole I'm like if she can comfortably see the pole underneath her and be comfortable there, then you can close that gap a little bit and, and ask her to, to walk over it. But I'm like, at this point, she's still not certain about it being next to her, let alone completely underneath her. So, um, and then kind of along with that, she was also very nervous about a lot of the, uh, obstacles. So we had a big tarp and we had like a pool noodle tunnel and a lot, a bunch of, um, just like, deadfall type logs that just odd sizes and shapes and and then a bridge and and when she when the owner first rode this horse over to this area the horse just kind of wanted to refuse everything you know she was like mm, nope I don't know about this I don't know about that and and um it's funny because years ago it would have been like okay push them until they do it kind of a thing and like squeeze them forward and make them do it and now the first thing I told her to do was pretty much do nothing I was like walk her through here and don't ask her to do a single one of these I said like if she even like looks at it just be like okay that's fine we're just gonna we're gonna walk in this area I am not going to ask you to do a single thing other than just walk around them near them and so she took the pressure off of oh mom's gonna ask me to do something right like I'm not comfortable even being near these yet and then mom's gonna want me to put my foot on it <laughs> so I'm like just don't you know don't don't put that pressure on her yet I'm like just just let her walk around and so I did that and um was checking on the other horse because you know it's a two-person session and a few minutes later I look back over there she's going right through the pool noodle tunnel and I'm like <laughs> But she had just been allowed to relax around the items without the pressure of like, oh, you're nervous about this? Put your nose on it. You're nervous about this? Take your feet through it. Um, and and too much too soon kind of a thing. And as soon as we were able to just kind of present it in this low pressure, it's not about the, the task of getting over it, getting through it. Um, it's just about feeling comfortable and playing then she was a lot better. So just presenting it in that different way of, it's not just because I said so, you know, obstacles shouldn't be tasks. They should be play and confidence building. And too many times obstacles become tasks of the ball needs to be on your back. The flag needs to be 
up over your head. The your feet need to be on the tarp. And so it becomes this, you know, checklist of like you need to do this behavior. Whereas really what obstacles are for is just to teach a horse that, hey, there's this fun new thing. You want to go play with it? Like, <laughs> let's teach you how to handle something new. Um, and so it's it's just playing and working on mindset it is not about the the physical action of whatever it is you're doing or want your horse to do. It is all about mindset when you're working with obstacles. So that was another fun uh, aha of like, just present it differently, you know. It's not the not the task, not the because I said so. It's the the fun, the play, the lower pressure, and and yeah, have some fun. <laughs> that is so fun, and I love how how relaxed all your horses got <laughs> at the end. That seems to be the theme. They all relaxed. <laughs> I know that's what I like to teach. Be relaxed when you need to be relaxed, and then when you're ready to go, you can get up and go. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we were talking about that in the episode where um, we went over my, my endurance trip, but just having horses be able to breathe Mm -hmm. and come down is so important in so many different aspects of whatever it is you're doing. If your horse can't come down, they're not going to be the safest things to have around and they're not going to perform very well either. So I love that, yeah. that you are, that your clinics provide a space where they get to get a little nervous, but learn in a safe environment that, Hey, it's, it's okay. Just chill out and trust us, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think some people would find my clinics extremely boring because it's not fast paced and, and skill after skill, maneuver after maneuver. Um, and we do do maneuvering in there and we work on like we did a lot of like hip and shoulder mobility and and clarifying a lot of that type of communication mm-hmm. um but it definitely is much more of like okay your horse is struggling here why is your horse struggling how can we teach your horse to get in a better headspace here and and things like that so boring but also not boring like <laughs> I'm like, oh, it was so exciting. We got these horses in the trailer in like 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> and like to me, I'm like, that's just like, yeah, makes me all giddy Music. inside. So <laughs> well, I think too, I think you're cutting yourself a little short there saying that it's boring. I think it is what it is. Like if you truly want to connect with your horse, you have to be patient. You have to go at their speed, which is not always going to be fast paced. Go, go, go. New skill, new skill, new skill. So I wouldn't say it's boring. I would just say it's not meant for people who don't want to connect. Yeah. You know, it's it's meant for people who truly want to connect with their horse, who truly want to give their horse a voice, right? Yeah. There's there's my pitch for you, Cammy. You can't talk to yourself like that. <laughs> give them a voice without letting them like break boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that. that's one thing I do appreciate about your style is it's a very safe thing. Like you, you are teaching the horse to have voice, but you're also saying, Hey, you, you can't treat me like that. Hey, like you've got to respect the fact that I am the lead of this herd, you know, um, which I do like, I like that you have that good balance. Well, is there anything else you want to share with us? It sounds like a super fun clinic. Oh, it was way fun. No, well, I have another clinic coming up, uh, June 24th at my place. So Ooh, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. This will probably be airing like right when it happens. So 
then we'll talk about that one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to follow up with the people in the trailer. Let's see how those horses are doing. Oh, I will. For sure. So, like, guys, it's official now. (laughs) Everybody has to know. (laughs) (laughs) We need to know. (laughs) Well, should we wrap it up? Yes, I think we are good. I guess we'll talk to y'all next week. Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.